students with ADHD, kids with ADHD um, have the best of intentions. They want to be successful. I've never met a kid that didn't. Uh, they want to do the right thing. Uh, but literally, the way that their brain is wired, it is hard for them to do that. And so they need uber amounts of patience uh, and uh, allowing them to retry over and over and over again. And just when you're at the end of your rope, yes, keep giving them more chances. Welcome to the Individual Matters Podcast. I'm Andrew Caton. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Josh Gudat. Josh is a middle school social studies teacher with over 20 years experience in the classroom. He and his wife, Dion, who is also a teacher, co-own Essentials in Learning, a tutoring and ADHD coaching business in Grand Junction. Today, Josh is going to talk with us about ADHD in the classroom, what it looks like from a teacher's perspective, how he uses structure in his classroom and works with students to help them understand and build their skills, and he'll also offer some thoughts for parents and teachers. At the end of our conversation, I'll talk about the upcoming Learning About Learning Parent Symposium that Josh and his wife are teaming up with us at Individual Matters to deliver in Grand Junction on February 24th. This is for parents who are interested in learning about ADHD and executive functioning and what they can do to help their students. Okay, let's get back to the conversation with Josh. Well, thank you for being here, Josh. I'm really excited about this conversation. Just right out of the gates, what thoughts do you have for parents and teachers and ADHD? What, what do they need to know? So I, I would say, like, as a parent, I would want to become informed about ADHD. I know that a lot of times when a kiddo is diagnosed with ADHD, we know we, he has it or she has it, but we don't know, we don't really know understand what that means. I mean, we, we kind of hear stereotypes and things like that. And so I just think becoming knowledgeable about ADHD um, so you know what are the executive functioning deficits or, or executive functioning delays that the kiddo has, I think I would start there. And then from there, we can start to look at things like getting your kiddo a 504 um, that will allow accommodations to be made in the classroom. Many teachers will make these accommodations anyway, but the 504 guarantees those accommodations and gives you some recourse um, if they're not being followed so that you can support your kiddo. Okay. From the teacher side of things, how does that 504 process work early on from your perspective? Uh, from a teacher perspective, uh, we get um, a list of kid kiddos that have 504s at the beginning of the year. The 504 will have their accommodations. We review those and make sure we know what those accommodations are um, be, You know, as the school year progresses. Um, generally, you'll have one 504 meeting a year to kind of revisit it, make sure that the accommodations are still working for the kiddo, um, and usually teachers are a part of that process as well. We were talking a little bit about your perspectives about specific accommodations and the ones that you found seem to work really well and integrate into the classroom. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I see a lot in on accommodations is extra time. I think that's just kind of a generic thing that they put people put on IEPs as well as 504s. And for the ADHD kiddo, um, I think that's not a, re a real great accommodation because a lot of ADHD kiddos don't have a good sense of time, the passage of time. And so giving them extra time means they're going to waste extra time and still not get it done. And so I think um, knowing about ADHD, I know that 
um, you know, chunking assignments, chunking assessments is a better strategy where, um, you know, a teacher will tell, the, like if they have 25 math problems on this assessment, a teacher will say, okay, do these five math problems and then come and see me. Um, and then when the kiddo comes, you can give them a little bit of feedback, hey, nice job, and then give them five more to do. And that's going to be a lot better of accommodation for an ADHD kiddo um, because they need that that frequent feedback and small chunks of things. That makes sense. Versus open-ended assignment dates and um... – because, yeah, I guess if they're trying to, if they're struggling to manage time and time awareness, that's not maybe doing them the best service. Correct. To just have these open-ended due dates and, and those kinds of things. Correct. And that chunking can even be like long-term projects, giving them a piece of the project um, and saying, get it done by this time, and then kind of keep giving them pieces until they're done. That's going to kind of scaffold them into the executive functioning that they need of planning, organization, um, and to help them be more successful. Do you feel like even without the 504, with all of your experience, you're probably pretty quick to identify ADHD-like symptoms and behaviors? Um, are there any other techniques that you use? Is it a global approach in your classroom, or do you kind of go ch- uh, student by student and, and figure out what works? I mean, the gold standard of teaching is to differentiate for each kid in your class and to make sure that you're meeting their needs uh, with whatever you know, symptoms they're displaying. Uh, I'm not perfect at that for sure. I'm still growing even after 20 whatever years. Um, but I do um, notice, you know, students that that um, display ADHD type behavior and I make accommodations um, on the fly for them. For example, if I know that we're going to be sitting and watching um, a video or something, they're going to need something to do with their hands. And so I offer a fidget for them. I teach them how to use the fidgets because sometimes the fidget will become a distraction. Um, you know, having the fidget under your table or under your desk um, and, you know, keeping your eyes on the video, things like, you know, teaching them how to use those fidgets. I think that's helpful um, to help them be successful in being able to pay attention. Now you teach middle school social studies. Seventh grade. <laughs> that's a great age. What? How do they respond, the students, to these because you're not only using strategies, you're explaining to them why you're doing it. So for kiddos that are coming in with a uh, 504, how knowledgeable, self-aware are they of ADHD and what they need to do? And how does that work? That's a great question. Um, I would say most of the kiddos that I work with, uh, both at Essentials and Learning and at Orchard Mesa Middle School, um, are um, not self, I mean, they know they have ADHD, but they're not aware of like, what exactly does that mean? And a lot of times they just go to the, um, I'm hyper and can't focus. And ADHD is a delay in executive functioning. Uh, and there's a lot of executive functioning skills there that, um, that they might not be aware of that they struggle with. Um, so I think that um, me kind of training them on that is part of the, or making them self-aware is part of that, of the goal that I have. Um, I can think of one kiddo that I had in class um, who I did get a 504 for him and I kind of reviewed it and and knew that he had that. And so I just kind of met with him near the beginning of the school year and kind of front loaded him with, I know I'm going to need to redirect you a lot. I don't want you to take that as being you're in trouble. Just kind of explain to him that you'll need that. We kind of came up with a system that he wanted uh, for the redirects. 
Uh, and it's been reasonably successful. We've had to revisit that a couple times uh, throughout the year, but it's been reasonably successful, not making him feel bad, uh, not making it super noticeable around the class. Um, and I think that that has helped him to be more successful. Your students are familiar with the term ADHD. It's pretty common. Are they... It gets thrown around a lot for sure. Yeah. Are they pretty uh, respectful and, and, and of other kids that have ADHD? Is there any stigma attached to it or is this a private conversation or how does that all work? It's a private conversation. Uh, usually, you know, after class real quick, I'll pull them aside or something. Um, but I, I do think there is a stigma. I don't think that kids kind of use the term ADHD, um, but they just know, hey, that kid, you know, blurts a lot in class or, you know, throws things or is always, you know, destroying pencils or, you know, I think they know those kids. And I do think, um, you know, there's some eye rolls, there's some, uh, you know, there, there is some stigma attached to it, but I wouldn't say they label it like ADHD. Mm-hmm. It's just that kid. Is there a certain presentation of ADHD? You talked about hyperactivity, which most people are probably most familiar with. Is there a style or presentation that can be more disruptive in the classroom versus versus another? I mean, there's the inattentive type who who probably don't cause problems for the other students, but internally still struggle not- to complete tasks, still struggle to um, you know chunk long-term assignments, still struggle with all those executive functioning skills for sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you talked about chunking. Are there any other accommodations that you found to be especially helpful um, for kids with ADHD and then maybe even just globally in your classroom in, in terms of teaching style or, or teaching philosophy? I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, every kid you'd have to review and see what, what that kid needs because ultimately – they're all human beings with different needs. Um, but some common accommodations, I think, um, you know, being able to have a fidget, um, uh, you'd be surprised at the number of teachers that ban fidgets from the classroom. And I could see why, because sometimes uh, that becomes a distraction or a play toy or something because the kiddo is not properly trained. And even the teacher is not properly trained in like the purpose of a fidget, how to use it. Uh, so it becomes a problem. Um, but that's something you could write into a, a 504, um, just the kiddo being allowed to have that in class. Um, you know, obviously, if it becomes a problem, you know, we would address that. Um, I think um, extra time, um, especially when dealing with non-ADHD kiddos, is is a good accommodation uh, for kids who have processing issues or things like that. Um, is a good accommodation. Preferential seating is another common one. I think that's essential with a kiddo with ADHD um, to have them uh, maybe sitting up front where the teacher can redirect them more subtly um, is a, is another big accommodation that I would recommend. So we're mostly focused on ADHD, but of course this overlaps with executive functioning. Mm. For kids that are just disorganized, from start to finish, whether it's turning in homework or organizing their backpack or remembering what they need to do, do you have any any broad approaches or any key key techniques that you use to support that in the classroom? Uh, yeah, and you're probably referring to about 95% of the middle schoolers out there. I don't know any that don't need some executive functioning uh, you know, skills. I think they're still developing those. Uh, one thing I like is, and it's an executive functioning skill in and of itself, is 
uh, metacognition, like help them to think about their learning, to think about their thinking, um, why we do things, to kind of make them aware of that. Um, so I think just embedding that into a classroom. Uh, so a lot of times teachers will, uh, you know, with a longer term project, will have kind of some deadlines, some minor deadlines uh, leading up to that to help the kiddos with staying organized. Um, I know I don't, I have uh, students with notebooks and folders. They don't leave the classroom. Um, you know, I, I train them to put the put their materials back in the folder. You think that's obvious, but it's not to middle schoolers. You know, put their uh, materials back into the folder. It takes a little bit of time at the end of class to make sure that that's happening. Uh, but those are just some basic executive functioning skills um, so that you know you put your paper here, it's going to be there when you get it the next day, that kind of thing. Because a lot of middle school kids literally will just get up and walk out of the room. They'll leave their Chromebooks, their pencils all over the place. They just don't think that way. Do you find it's helpful in terms of the pace of your classroom, how you run your class from beginning until end in a given day? Do you slow things down or how do you find the time to 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 teach these kinds of skills and um, awareness versus just the subject matter content? Do you just have to slow everything down or? Um, I think you can do a lot of um, embedding um, I, I run a launch unit at the beginning of the year that kind of trains kids into the structures and routines of my classroom. Middle school kids, kids with ADHD thrive with structure and routine. And so, you know, that's a, you know, three or four week unit that we don't do a lot of heavy content, um, but it's more just training them in. And it's kind of that go slow to go faster mode where we go slow to learn those routines, but now here in uh, February, or I guess January, sorry, get ahead of myself. Uh, here in January, we're rolling as a class and we're not focused on those executive functioning skills as much. We're focused on the content and we can get a lot of that in. You built the habits to move forward to scaffold the, the learning of the subject matter material. Yeah, and incidentally, as a parent, I think uh, we can do the same things at home structure and routine, having a regular study time each evening at the same time helps with task initiation uh, because the kids just know that that's, what, that's the routine, that's what's going to happen. Um, getting into a routine in the study time of, of what that looks like, uh, those are things that parents can do to kind of help support uh, middle school kids, of course, but also kids with ADHD that kind of need that structure and routine at home. You're leading right into my next question. So structure, routine at home. Are there any other suggestions in, in order to keep this somewhat concise? And we're going to get you back on, I hope, and talk at length about a little bit um, some of the details on this. But as far as recommendations or suggestions to parents who are concerned their child might have ADHD, do you have any thoughts around around that? Um, yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts. Um, I think that number one is that um, identifying your child as ADHD, I think, in my opinion, is, is helpful, um, getting that diagnosis, because um, it, there, a lot of self-confidence issues happen with kids who have ADHD that's undiagnosed. They go through life thinking it's them, it's their, but really it's a biological thing. It's, and, and getting that diagnosis helps them to realize that my brain works differently than other people's brains, and I need some strategies to manage that so that I can be successful. Um, so I think getting that diagnosis is important. Um, and then the medication issue I know is a huge controversial thing, 
but I would say if the kid needs medication, then then to have them take it. We have a lot of parents that, you know, doctors are recommending medication and the parents refuse, and that just sets the, the child up for um, not being very successful. You're extremely knowledgeable about this, and it's clear that you are able to build really good rapport with your students as well. I know that's probably a key component of working with them. Um, do you have any tips for working with ADHD type students um, in terms of building rapport? Because as you'd mentioned with the hyperactivity and some of the other things going on, they can, that kind of behavior can be stressful for a teacher in a classroom. Do you have any just real general tips for teaching or parenting or anybody who's working with kids with ADHD? I could say it in one word, patience. I think, uh, you know, uh, students with ADHD, kids with ADHD um, have the best of intentions. They want to be successful. I've never met a kid that didn't. Uh, they want to do the right thing. Uh, but literally, the way that their brain is wired, it is hard for them to do that. And so they need uber amounts of patience uh, and uh, allowing them to retry over and over and over again. And just when you're at the end of your rope, yes, keep giving them more chances. Um, I do think ADHD coaching works. I think that's, uh, um, can, can help them, um, setting up structures and routines, like doing all of those pieces as well. But patience is the key. That's a perfect summary. Is there anything else you want to share? I think, uh, you know, we could talk about this for a long time, but I think, um, you know, that gets us started. Absolutely. Let's make that happen sometime. We'll get you back on, talk at more length about some of these, but thanks for sharing with us today. Sounds good. If you're interested in learning more about Josh and Dion and the tutoring and ADHD services offered through Essentials in Learning, you can go to their website, essentialsinlearning.com. They recruit only the most qualified, highly trained, and motivated educators that have years of experience, can build a relationship with your child, and teach them strategies that ensure exceptional results. Also, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, Josh and his wife are teaming up with us at Individual Matters to deliver our 2024 Learning About Learning Symposium for parents. This year's topic is Building Executive Function Skills for Successful Learning. What can we do as parents? This will take place February 24th from 9 to 2 at the Individual Matters building in Grand Junction. It'll be an interactive workshop with simulations, panel discussions, small group practice, reflection, and application of new skills. We're really excited about this. It's going to be a lot of fun and you'll learn a lot. You can register at individualmatters.org by clicking on the register here link. Seats are limited, so don't wait to sign up. That's it from us today. As always, you can find more information as well as resources on our website, individualmatters.org. We hope you'll join us at the next podcast where we'll continue to explore topics around successful living, learning and education, and child development and share ways to help you live a more positive and fulfilling life. The preceding information is not intended to provide or serve as medical, clinical, or educational advice. Individual Matters is not responsible for the accuracy of guest statements. All information should be validated independently. Please consult with your doctor, mental health provider, attorney, or other appropriate professionals before making any personal decisions for yourself or those in your care.